Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday the 2nd of April 2023. I'm Paul O'Grady and I'm playing Septimus Crump. Welcome to the waiting room. Here you can see our collection of vintage station paraphernalia. Adverts, timetables. How marvellous. All the bells and whistles. A true window into the past. Well, this is my very first big finish. It's actually the first time I've done anything like this. Munich and Benji. Hello, you. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish. Audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast. All for the love of stories. In a moment, Benji and I will be chatting about Day of the Daleks and the wonderful entertainer Paul O'Grady, who we sadly lost just a few days ago. Following that, the Good Review Guide, known to some as the Good Review Guy, reviews the reviews of Unit Nemesis 2, Agents of the Volpreen. The name's Kate Stewart, by the way. Then we go behind the scenes with the latest Fifth Doctor release, starring Peter Davison, Janet Fielding and Sarah Sutton, as the Doctor, Tegan and Nissa, in case you didn't know, in Conflicts of Interest. And the first story we preview is Friendly Fire by John Dorney. Hello, I'm Ken Bentley and I am the director. Following that, it'll be time for listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Badaboo. More sparkling comment via our electronic mail inbox. Need I say more? You need not. I don't think so, no. No, 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 no. In our also available segment this week, we return to The Fifth Doctor and the second story in the Conflicts of Interest release, The Edge of War by Jonathan Barnes. I'm Peter Davison and I play The Doctor. Then the randomoid Selectatron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount deftly attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. What will it be? I hear you all be asking, well, we don't know, but... Here's a clue edited in with the benefit of hindsight. The time is approaching! The time for what? And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free, if I could say it, 15-minute drama tease. And this week, it's the fifth Doctor Adventures, you've guessed it, Conflicts of Interest, Friendly Fire by John, you've guessed it too, Dorney. Why do you assume I did anything? Because you always do. I mean, it's hardly likely to be me, is it? She does have a point, Doctor. I I, I may have agreed to an, an automatic update. A what? So, <laughs> have you guessed it? Um, I don't know what's gone wrong with me. Um, Day of the Daleks. Benji, you and Jonathan <laughs> Carley, the uh, war doctor, uh, were posing a very serious question about that last night. Well, yes, we were talking uh, as we do on WhatsApp, and um, Jonathan came, he came out with something which I've never really thought about before. I'll read you what he says here. Yes. He says, uh, The Daleks have embraced remote working. Video calling <laughs> makes meetings simpler, even when the people you're speaking to are behind the very wall the screen is on. What you've invented there, fellas, is a window. Um, because it's true that, you know, the controller in, Death, um, in Day of the Daleks is speaking to a screen. And then eventually, it just the, the you know the ramp goes up, and the Daleks are just behind it. And you yeah. think, well, you could have just you could have just come in, come in to say that. Well, you know. Well, Nick, I know you, 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 you did. You did raise a good. Yeah, well, I had a theory, but also, I mean, have have you seen Airplane Two? 
years and years and years ago. Well, there's this bit with uh, William Shatner is constantly communicating with the moon base commander on a screen. The guy go- keeps going to a screen and he twiddles all these buttons and the screen there's and, and William Shatner's there, you know, and he talks to him as being over the top and everything. And then that's it. And then finally, there's a bit where he goes there and, and he's talking to the guy and he's tuned him in on the screen. And then he goes, oh, God, and he just opens it and it's a door and he's just standing behind it. <laughs> so it's just been a window he's been looking through. It's a silly airport. And it's a little bit like that, isn't it, really? You it's know, just I, I'm slightly <laughs> silly, isn't it, really? But my, my um, thing is that I think the Daleks were meant to be in their ship. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and, and and they were being, but the design budget didn't run to it. Like maybe maybe the controller was meant to sort of go outside and go into a flying saucer to speak to the Daleks. Uh, yeah, but as I said to you, I don't think it's any more weird than speaking to your boss, who's maybe in a glass office just a few feet away from you on the phone. Just you know what I mean, phoning them up and just. I suppose so, and I, I guess the, the Daleks in in some ways want to have a bit of privacy when they're speaking and privacy you know, what are they up to in there well they're scheming clearly i mean my, my personal perspective is, is that i i think that they got a bit carried away you know when they were building this new earth yeah. i think they they just thought well we got all these doors we'll have to i'll tell you what shove a door there if he wants to talk to us he'll have to do it through a screen because we've got to use these doors somehow you know it's i think that's just how it is went. that what yeah. it is yeah well they, maybe they I think it's an a extension. status thing I don't think you want the hoi polloi in your executive office. You know? and, and, I if you, and, think, and to back that one up, of course, is it takes ages to open. And yeah. if you want status, you want to do things slowly. You know, you can't, you can't just go, tss, let's go, it's all, I know this is going to be slightly scary. Instead of, you know, tss, hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which would be rather tss. underwhelming. Uh, where are the dinosaurs? Tss, hello. <laughs> We're here. Oh, hi. Um, either well, way, though, it's quite yeah. amusing, isn't it? Well, um, what, and what do you think, folks? Have we got a, a, a Benji and I right and our slightly different opinions? And what about Jonathan Carley's view? I mean, write into podcast at bigfinish.com to let us know your view on the screen in uh, Day of the Daleks. <laughs> That's what it's come down to. That's the topic. This the is moment. when they send it in. And then the second they've sent it, we just come through the door and say, well, you were right about that, actually. Uh, <laughs> It's emails that suddenly turn into personal appearances. So Yes, I understand. Um, listen, uh, many of our UK listeners will be aware of the sad passing of national treasure Paul O'Grady last week. He had a tremendous career in showbiz and was widely known for his passionate work in the field of animal welfare. Uh, what many people may not have known was that he was a lifelong fan of the original 60s spy-fi series The Avengers. And Big Finish was lucky enough to get to work with him on the latest box set of Avengers stories out last week. Uh, here, Paul talks about what it was like for him uh, with producer-director Sam Clemens, the son of the great Avengers TV producer and writer Brian Clemens, uh, giving us some context too. I'm Paul O'Grady and I'm playing Septimus Crump. Welcome to the waiting room. Here you can see our collection of vintage station paraphernalia, Adverts, timetables. How marvellous. All the bells and whistles. A true window into the past. Well, this is my very first big finish. It's actually the first time I've done anything like this, apart from reading the audio book for my children's book. But I loved it because it's very true to the Avengers, to the, to the original series, because you've got the diabolical mastermind 
who might seem quite sane at first, but then you realise he's completely mad as a bunch of frogs. And he's also driven by revenge and hatred. And um, I, he's just good fun. I really liked him. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be, be with him, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I just, uh, he's just great. He's just, and he's true to the Avengers. This is what I love about it. The whole script is because it's that Avenger world that you enter, which is pure fantasy, and nothing phases Steed. I love this, and nothing really phases Tara either. You know, and it, it was just, I'm just absolutely delighted that you asked me to do it because now I can say I've been in the Avengers. There you go. But really how this came about was when the 60th anniversary of the Avengers uh, happened, there was an event online, sadly because it was during COVID, and I think they were planning on doing uh, a much bigger in-person celebration. Uh, I remember going to the 50th when my father was still alive and everyone still being around, Diana Rigg was still alive and um, Honor Blackman as well. And Paul O'Grady was the the host of that event, and we sort of kept in contact a little bit uh, th- over the years uh, because of his. He is a, an Avengers super fan. He knows everything there is to know about the Avengers. He really loved Kathy Gale. I think he grew up on uh, watching Kathy Gale on television, and I think uh, Kathy Gale really influenced him in his career choice and how his his path eventually laid out but he was also a huge fan of the Tara King episodes I'm sure he says in this that he still has pieces from the set in his own house um, the Penny Farthing for example I think he, he has that so um, he really is a super fan and he's great friends with Linda Thorson and Linda Thorson did one of the episodes uh, a few box sets back playing the antagonist and she said she had such a great time and sort of said, you know, I had such a lovely time. And so when this 60th anniversary came about, I sort of was hosting it a little bit for uh, Studio Canal. And I just, uh, when we were not on online, um, I just flat out asked him if he would be interested in being in one of the audio dramas because he's such a, a super fan um, and being in one of the Tara King episodes. And he immediately said, oh, I, 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 that would be my dream is to do, do an Avengers before we even knew what comic strips we were going for, Paul had already expressed interest. So we went through the comic strips and and, and basically with that in mind, found uh, an antagonist that sort of best suited Paul and Paul's personality and worked from there. And that became This Train Terminates Here, which is a fabulous story, uh, a comic book story as well. It's a really, really good, uh, really good piece. Well, I think Septimus Crump is one of these people who objects to all the branch lines being closed. He's livid. And he's a steam enthusiast and he's very proud of his railway station. And of course, he's hell bent, like all diabolical masterminds, on getting revenge. And of course, Steed and Tara arrive on the scene and mess his plans up. And he's not best amused. And I'm delighted because I actually get to tie them to the railway track, which was great fun. <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed that, I did. <laughs> and I've got a wonderful sidekick, Betty. She's as wicked as him. <laughs> Working with Paul O'Grady on this was uh, an absolute delight and one of those bucket list moments. And he is everything you imagine him to be and, you know, so much fun and, you know, such a humble personality. I mean, I must just say that when he arrived, and no other actor I've ever met has ever done this, um, but he arrived on the back of a motorbike. But I couldn't think of a, a more Avengerish entrance to, to start off the day. And when he did the... um. 50th anniversary he entered Chichester University where they were holding the event with Linda Thorson in a helicopter so he managed to maintain this this sort of grandeur of a great entrance and 
when he entered uh, into the room, we played the Avengers music as he came in, and he just hit the ground running. And I think it was quite a special day that day. Not only for all of us to be able to work with him and such a fabulous personality, but I also think uh, for Paul himself um, to, to, to live out a bit of a childhood dream of being in the Avengers and acting opposite Julian and Emily, who have just taken these characters and really made them their own. They're not impressions of Linda Thorson or Patrick Bonney, but they, they have made them their own. And I think that that's uh, you know, very difficult um, because they're so synonymous with Patrick Bonney and Linda Thorson. But whenever I hear their voices now, I think of Steed and Tara King. I'll be on the phone to Linda Thorson tonight when I get in and say, guess what? I tied you to the railway tracks this afternoon and thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> really, really great that we that Big Finish got to work with him. Yeah, I, Sadly, I wasn't at the studio. I would have loved to have met him. I think he's just such a, a living legend. And I, I, I tell you something that I, I really... I've felt uh, since his passing is that there's a real feeling that everybody in the country really has, has been affected by this. There's just such an outpouring of love for, for Paul O'Grady. And and I think as well, an outpouring of just huge respect. Yeah. Like Paul seemed to have the respect of so many people. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I always think of just the, the great, not just the great work that Paul did, you know, in, in the world of comedy, but especially with animals and dogs and his work with Battersea uh, Dogs Home. Yeah. You know, it's just, just somebody I know, somebody I went to school with actually um, adopted a dog uh, from that show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And so, and, and the importance of it, because it, it, you know, he loves dogs so much. And, and I saw a fantastic interview with somebody from Battersea who was saying that Paul had a fantastic ability to build instant connections with dogs mm. the second he met a, a dog yeah i've seen just, some of the footage it's incredible isn't it it's just lovely and i think there's just that feeling everybody i think the nation really is kind of in mourning and i think it's incredible that we were able to get paul o'grady to do the avengers and and you know it's just well in the clip that you, you won't have heard benji in the clip sam clements talks about how he just got in touch with him because he knew he was a huge Avengers fan that he'd been a big part of the 50th anniversary and uh, what I really love about Paul O'Grady is he just said what he felt and got away with it and and I agreed with a lot of the things he said <laughs> it has to be said and it was just he just said it you know and uh, I, I loved that he, uh, yeah but that's where that's respect really comes in loss. is that people yeah. respected him just respected him that's Paul yeah. O'Grady we totally respect and he didn't saying, make a know? lot of himself do you want to mean he never sort of um, seemed to behave like he thought he was important he just became important because of his honesty that that, that disarming honesty and just you know how relaxed he was as a performer and you know as Lily Savage uh, some of the, the incredible stuff there's a brilliant bit um, in one of those sort of audience with things where um, Gabby Rosalind who's a, a famous presenter in the UK asked uh, Lily a question and uh, <laughs> then Lily just went into this whole thing about he how she and uh, Gabby had been strippers together in Germany <laughs> <laughs> and this incredible story just off the cuff that she just made up it was just incredible really just absolute just... perfection absolutely you know, and Lily Savage was huge in the UK <sighs> and, and that's really sort of... important I think culturally and, and likewise with with Paul you know um, 
a really sad loss and we just feel if you know just so delighted that he was able to um, contribute to big finish and as and again you won't have heard that you know when he did the 50th anniversary of uh, the avengers event he turned up and he's great friends with linda thorson tara yes King. yes and he, he turned up in a helicopter apparently and you know to, to the big finish recording he turned up on the back of a bike he was ferried to the recording <laughs> no always in style that's cool and, and when he that's came so into the cool. studio they played the avengers music for him oh no really yeah. oh that is I, was, I did say a great thing about um that Avengers convention where somebody said that um, they made an entry with the helicopter and inside the convention centre the fire alarms just by pure chance went off <laughs> so everybody went outside because they had to and then the helicopter landed so there was no there was no sense of like you know they didn't even get a chance to just appear that way it was everybody was there watching waiting in that wow, moment that must have made it even more exciting um, just a huge lot, a huge loss, I think, you know, for everybody, and um, just what an incredible personality. Mm. Well, time now for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about big finish productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised, this week we're looking at Unit Nemesis Two: Agents of the Vulpreen. From Big Finish Productions, the worlds of Doctor Who. Unit, Nemesis, Agents of the Vulpreen. Hello there. Hey, Stuart. When the arch opens again, we must be ready to take our chance. A warning shot, Vulpreen. Surrender or the next one will take your head off. The name's Kate Stewart, by the way. Nice to meet you too, Kate. Goodbyes, dear, dear. Why so pessimistic? This director Prast, he's an alien. A dominator. He's our little Quentin now. Quentin the Quark. Ready to go, Asgard. I am a dominator. I shall report to the director. Quarks, maintain molecular force. Reverse engines! A Tudor warship coming right through the Thames barrier! The modulator. They're using it. They tricked us. Oh, calm down, Ryan. It's pulling me through. Jackie, let go of me. Eleven deranged minds fueling one psychopath. Let's find out what they all want. Pick up the pace. So we have a plan. We go through the arch. Yes. We just need to get past the Vulpreen. Ah! Uh, this is pointless. You waste your own time, not mine. You'll talk eventually. All right, on my command, concentrate your fire on that side of their squad. Ready? And fire! Eyes left! Big finish for the love of stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type a Nemesis 2 into the search pane at the top to find this one. Mm. First up, scifipulse.net, Razor Devro says, Unit Nemesis 2, Agents of the Volprene, continues an excellent story arc. The writers deftly use exposition, world-building, and character beats. The result is a tension-filled cliffhanger. 
Unit Nemesis 2, Agents of the Volpreen, is a well-crafted spanner in the works. Oh. 9.5 out of 10. Where do we go wrong with that 9.5? <laughs> Was the uh. spanner just slightly too big? Who knows? <laughs> Razor Devereaux is always giving us 9.5 out of 10. And I think we should be grateful because it's a 100%. Really yes. You know. Uh, but 9.5 out of 10 is my review of that review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I give it 9 out of 10 slightly. I'm slightly more oh, disgruntled than yeah. you. <laughs> Lovely review. Thank you so much, SciFiPulse.net. Uh, now then, praise silence for that, that legend of 70s television. Also quite... Um, Quite a renowned crooner on the circuit, Peter well, Nolan. That, well, was, well, that was one of Peter Nolan's songs, wasn't it? Nine out of ten. Yeah, it was. You know, nine I've got of... nine out of ten. <laughs> it was the True. theme tune for that, that telly series, you know, the comedy he did. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The yeah, one where the Felicity guy Kendall. kept coming in and mistaking the uh, counter for a, a, a huge, um, uh, what was it? Uh, banana. <laughs> I can't keep this up. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'll uh, let me just put my. Sorry, I put my coat on that banana a minute ago, oh, and it's gone. Oh, and the audience um, would laugh. Uh, they... oh. <laughs> I'll put oh, some canned laughter on that bit just to. Great telly, great telly. Happy memories, <laughs> happy memories. So anyway, uh, Peter. Um, now, sort of, you know, winding down his career after that huge success is, is you know, uh, whiling away his uh, um, autumn years <laughs> doing reviews for blogtohoo.com. That um, and, of course, uh, the fantastic vineyard he's got in the south of France, which oh, yeah. uh, I hear That's he spends true. a lot of time listening to the podcast over there. He does. While yeah. squashing grapes. That's right. And sipping a bit of fizz as well. Ooh, lovely. Uh, he says... Um, uh, this is a great vintage. Oh, that's nice. Anyway, no, he says, uh, Nemesis continues to represent a new direction for Unit, but it sacrifices none of the high-octane thrills. I love the phrase high-octane. It kind of... You can almost smell it, smell can't it. you? Yeah. <laughs> and action of the earlier series. Instead, this is where the format of a single 16-episode series begins to pay off. The space allows the twists and turns of the story to be deeper and more involving than the original format. And with us only at the midway point, there's clearly plenty more drama and surprises to come. <laughs> Lovely review there, Peter. High uh, octane I, 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 review. I wish he'd make a comeback, you know? I think well, that I show, were, what was the comedy show called? Which one? There's so many. I mean, that the was the one with was, the banana counter mix. Oh, that was nine out of ten. Oh, that was nine out of ten with Felicity Kendall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. It was, it and was she used real... to wear the banana costume quite often, didn't she? Yeah, uh, begrudgingly, I think. I think she said in an interview that it was a terrible idea. Yeah. I, I, I think it's what like on the buses, you know, Peter. <laughs> that was that was a weak link for you that that particular sitcom. I think you were much better in um, Where's My Sofa. That um, was actually with Reg Varney, who was in on the buses, wasn't it? That Peter was. and he formed a team for quite a short amount of time, though. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know whether they've just rubbed each other up the wrong way. There was a bit of a. It was a difficult time, but probably the know, banana costume. Maybe it was. Yeah, because I know those... he tried to bring that back in. You know, he was kind of obsessed with it. I think. Sorry to talk about you, Peter, when when you're listening, sipping wine and treading banana on banana wine. <laughs> well, over on Twitter, on Twitter, Twitter Armor, 
Dr. 909, named after the great drum machine, the 909, uh, says here, a really good box set full of strong stories for the unit series. Everyone is on top form and each story is really engaging, keeping you hooked on the overarching ride of this series. Ooh. Can't wait to see what happened next. Oh, oh, overarching ride is my favourite phrase from that. So. Yeah, I need to go to the doctors about my overarching ride, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> God, that could a bit be of so jib. many things that we couldn't possibly mention. Um, <laughs> uh, at Telos32 says, Unit has stopped the Eleven's efforts to retrieve the arch, but the overarching arch, eh? Uh, but their problems are just beginning. Another great set. I love the fact that they bothered to put in a little little story tease there to, to draw people in. I think, uh, I think we owe you some money there at Telos32. Yeah, chocolate coins. Um, Tom Housen, 1218. Good year. Uh, Unit Nemesis, Agents of the Volpreen from Big Finish by Andrew Smith, Kenneth Grant, Lizzie Opley and Mr. John Dorney continues the exciting adventures of this series, stepping up the plot to take you on an absolute thrill ride. Four tremendous stories, so much to love. And at B is a dork. (laughs) Took me a while to decipher that. Uh... Finished up at Big Finish's unit Nemesis, Agents of the Volpreen. Very lovely set. Definitely one of the best unit sets I've done. Oh, did you do it? And I'm dying for Nemesis 3. Wish, thank goodness this is live. Wish I had a cheeky vortex manipulator to take a short hop into the future. Don't we all? No, we don't. Because I tell you, if we think the present's pretty choppy goodness what the future's. i mean benji and i had a big discussion about this before the podcast we don't want to go into the future based on what benji thinks is going to happen say no more. Uh, yeah say no more than that apart from gigantic cats um and that's it for the good review guy this week next week we'll be looking at reviews of the 8th of march 2 protectors of time Still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. A look behind the scenes at this week's second story in the Fifth Doctor, Conflicts of Interest box set, The Edge of War, plus the Randomoid Selectron, totally randomly giving you a 25% discount on an audio adventure from Big Finish. Very randomly indeed. <laughs> nice bit of value there for you. <laughs> yes. But first, let's go behind the scenes with the first story in this week's Fifth Doctor Adventures release. Out on the 5th of April, it's Friendly Fire by John Dorney. Hello, I'm Ken Bentley and I am the director. And when exactly is this emergency landing going to happen? I told you, in the nick of time. Hopefully. (laughs) Today we've just finished recording Friendly Fire, written by John Dorney. I quite like grubby, quite dark stories like this. Um, and it's a, it's a sort of gritty, tough story about murderous miners on a mining colony. And I have to say, probably has some of the most utterly bonkers sound design sequences that we've, we've probably ever had to do. Hi there, I'm John Dorney and I wrote Friendly Fire for the Fifth Doctor Adventures. The initial stages of this were just simply being asked to do a story three episodes long for uh, the Fifth Doctor, Tiga and Nyssa. It was a little tricky actually, weirdly, because even though I've done pretty much over 100 stories within the Doctor Who universe and scripts and all that, I'd never done a three-parter. So figuring out what the shape of a three-parter was and the sort of story 
that could be told at that length was uh, surprisingly tricky. I went down a few sort of back roads coming up with another idea that I, I couldn't quite make work in this format, though that doesn't mean I won't necessarily come back to it at some point in the future. I really like the central idea. You know, the various restrictions involved on doing it with three episodes and trying to make those work, I had to kind of go down some specific guidelines. And uh, and eventually I settled on this, which is a bit influenced by Westerns. And a, yeah, I wanted to have that sort of vibe. And I felt uh, uh, you were able to do a slightly smaller scale story than you'd necessarily have for a four-parter, but again, not as tight and almost low stakes as you'd have with uh, something like a two-parter. I tend to view it as being the shorter the story, the higher the concept, but also the, the stakes kind of match the length of the episode, so it's got to be slightly bigger stakes. So yeah, this was somewhere in the middle of those. So it was interesting finding a shape for that. I'm Peter Davison and I play the Doctor. I'm Janet Fielding and I play Tegan Javanka. I'm Sarah Sutton and I play Nyssa. You sure you got the right planet? Very much so. He's an alien, if that helps. An alien? Looks like an armadillo, apparently. I imagine that'd make him stand out a bit around here. It reminded me of some of those westerns. It, it, to me, it's a western in space. It is, which, yes. Which, of course, was what Star Trek originally was envisaged as by Roddenberry. And what happens is they land on a mining uh, planet to visit an old friend of the Doctor's. And... Um, they can't find the old friend of the Doctor, and it would appear that he's been murdered. It's also a bit like Bad Day at Blackrock, you know. Who is the guilty party? Who was who was involved? And, and how do you... I mean, the theme is, you know, how do you do the right thing in a difficult situation? It's always a delight writing for Peter, Janet and Sarah. They're all great fun anyway, and always uh, just a joy to be around. They're the characters I first really joined the series watching obviously with Adric I was uh, I was a child of season 19 so they have a huge place in my affections anyway but then to discover that the actors who play them are just kind of as entertaining and, and borderline the same as the characters is, is is a delight a kind of half right for Peter half right for the Doctor if you know what I mean um, the, the, it, it feels like that's the fun way to approach it I'm Alice Krieger and I play Reno what were you two whispering about something you want to say Oh, nothing in particular. We were just discussing the weather. I imagine that's what you and your two friends were whispering about too. It was. How'd you guess? It's all we ever discuss. You look the type. She's described as uh, mean-spirited. And uh, I think that was the springboard. She's ex-military. Anything that's not her or her kind is suspect. Throughout this particular story, she's targeted another species, an individual from another species, and she she orchestrates his death. Reno was quite a tricky one to cast, actually. To find an actress who can play that sort of authoritative but quite dark character, it's, it's, sort of, it's not the easiest casting. And um, thankfully, I don't know how many years ago it was that Alice moved back to the UK, actually, but thankfully, um, uh, Alice moved back to the UK and has worked with us before and is brilliant and was available. I haven't worked with Alice for a while, so it was lovely to get the opportunity to work with her again. But she's just she's got just the right sort of voice that you you need and, and relishes the opportunity to play that sort of role. So um, uh, she sounds great as Reno. You're not tied to a particular perceived dimension of reality. And it gives you enormous latitude in exploring 
possibilities that are not what's the agreed norm of what reality is. And as an actor, that, that actually allows you to sometimes paint, you know, in, in very strong brushstrokes that you might mute if you were if you were doing something that was much more tied to day-to-day mundane reality. And there's something very liberating and um, exhilarating about that. Oh, yes. I have worked with Alice before. It was in, in Midsummer Murders, and I think it was around about 2009 or something, 10, something like that. And uh, I can't remember if she played my sister or my wife, actually, but we certainly had the same name. I remember that. Uh, yeah, and, and they were great. Midsummer Murders were great to do because you always got murdered in more and more elaborate ways. <laughs> I can't remember how she went, but I think she survived a little bit longer than me. Why didn't they give that part to me, <laughs> the part of the murderer? <laughs> You'd have loved it too much. Um, yeah, so that, that was really, that was my uh, only experience. We, we all obviously remember as the Borg Queen. So it's always slightly weird when there's a bit of a crossover with Star Trek and some, particularly, and, and movies and some an iconic character as that. But obviously she's had an amazing career uh, beyond that and you keep seeing her in all manner of things playing amazing parts. So it's always a delight when you get an actor of her stature involved in a piece. Uh, she's just great. And as with anyone uh, of, of enough talent and ability, they'll just lift the character off the page so she took everything I'd done with Reno and uh, lifted it to another level she's really amazing I had absolutely no experience of of the Star Trek universe prior to making the picture I, I grew up in South Africa before television arrived so I have this huge hole where my pop culture is meant to be um, I knew nothing about Star Trek and I went in and I did it the audition And as I was doing it, without quite understanding why, I suddenly understood that there was something enormously potent about the character. And I thought I'd done an awful audition, and I raced off the lot at Paramount and found a payphone, because it was pre-mobiles, and said to my agent, can I please, please, please do that again? And we didn't hear back from them, and then I... I went back in and I did it again. Eventually, three weeks later, they called me back and I got the role. But I didn't even understand as we did it. Doing it was was just a wonderful experience. Grueling, but, but absolutely wonderful. They were a wonderful, wonderful crew and group of actors. Jonathan Frakes, I know, was directing, but he was acting as well. It really took until the film's release for me to understand that what they had written really was an archetype, from my point of view, that became a receptacle for the viewer's fears and fantasy and exploration of of otherness that was both attractive and terrifying and repulsive all at once. Just go to bigfinish.com to find this one. Type conflicts of interest into the search pane at the top to find this Fifth Doctor adventure. It's out on Wednesday, Wednesday, as uh, one of my teachers at school used to say, 5th of April. Can't remember their name, unfortunately. Sorry. A friend of mine always said, he said that, you know you're getting old when you start calling Wednesday, Wednesday. So, ah, yes, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, Wednesday is the uh, um, received pronunciation pronunciation of Wednesday Wednesday. yeah you're not meant to say day you're meant to say d Wednesday Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday 
Yes, I'll see you on Wednesday. That's the old-fashioned way. But what's the other one like? Room, not room. 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 I like, yeah, I like saying room actually. You know, and stupid. I see in the drawing room. Stupid, not stupid. 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 You stupid boy. That's that's RP. That is. You. Were, I remember hearing. Um, that's proper. Yeah, John Hurt saying stuff like that. Stupid. Of course, no, apparently stu- the, stu- the word. Not stu- 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 stupid. 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 You stupid boy. Stupid. <laughs> yes. Mm. Apparently, the the traditional way to say hotel is hotel. hotel. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it's from the French an hotel. You're meant to say an hotel. We don't do that anymore. Because there's we a glottal stop. Anymore. What they call a glottal stop when you say a hotel, that's called a glottal, and it's it's meant uh. to be. Uh, undesirable and unattractive for the English language to be spoken like that. These are very old-fashioned values and old-fashioned rules. Yeah. Now we go around saying water. Um, water. So who who really knows? There's a gold uh, stop in here. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Well, don't forget, listeners, that you can mm. hear free fifteen-minute drama tease of Friendly Fire at the end of this podcast. Oh yes. Meanwhile, it's time for listeners' emails. <laughs> I like what you did there. That was very nice. And if you want to make that noise, you can. But you won't be able to really put it in email form because I, I don't really know how That's you would transcribe it. Well, you can try, yeah. Some, somebody did do it the other week. They tried to email. Well, if you want to try, just do it. Send it to podcastabigfinish.com and it might get read out. And that's exactly what happened to Jonathan Kirk, who had this email read out by me now. Um, two emails from him, actually. T-mails. Um, well, in that case, here's email number one. Behind the scenes noise. I couldn't hear that. I think it cancelled it out. So I just looked like Nick. It just looked like you had a you had like a problem with your teeth. <laughs> it was very funny. Good old Zoom. Hey, Nick and Benji, just writing in quick to say, like the behind the scenes noise, I actually find it comforting in some way I can't quite explain. You must explain. (laughs) But I would not mind terribly if you decided to change it. Ah. After all, it has already been put on probably hundreds of productions already. And I go to one of those to hear it if I need to. Uh, Okay, good point. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Nick, take us into the second of the Kirk epics. Well, we're noting, anyway, we need more emails on the behind the scenes noise. We may change it. Uh, So, yes, this is uh, timestamps and EU and questions. Oh, my. Dear Nick and Benji, hi there. Uh, Hope you both and everyone at Big Finish are having a lovely weekend. Glad Benji is feeling better. And yes, the title for the email is a reference to a famous The Wizard of Oz line. Oh my. Uh, I want to write in, just to clarify that from my last email, I mentioned that The Flood was the one of the best Cyberman stories in the EU. For clarification, I meant the expanded universe, not the European Union. Fair enough, we've sorted that one out. <laughs> uh, it just makes me laugh. Uh, furthermore, with the mention of timestamps in last week's podcast, I was wondering if Big Finish would consider uploading the Big Finish podcast onto YouTube. I just thought with YouTube being an extremely popular platform, it could be a good way of introducing potential customers to Big Finish, especially with the 15-minute drama teases of your many productions. Yeah, um, I'm not sure why we don't do it. Uh, I've been asking this question for a long time. Um, uh, Yeah, I'd like us to help. Uh, Firstly... (laughs) uh, uh, 
a couple of questions here. Firstly, with beloved companions like Sarah Jane Smith and Harry Sullivan being recast in the fourth Doctor Adventures, would Big Finish ever consider recasting the first incarnation of Romana played by the late, great and much-missed Mary Tam? It's such an illogical thing, the whole recasting thing. I don't know what... It's not about time limits. I don't know what it is, but just for me, it feels too soon. Uh, secondly... Would Big Finish ever consider trying again to get the license to produce Red Dwarf audios with the recent announcement that Doug Naylor and Rob Grant have settled the rights dispute and are hoping to launch separate interactions of Red Dwarf across various media? Perhaps Big Finish could give us some adventures with the Red Dwarf lads. Uh, certainly would be open to that. Um, if anyone's listening who can help, get in touch. <laughs> Thirdly, are there plans for a Grant Gordon ghost spin-off? Oh, I see. Since Big Finish has, to my knowledge, never done any audios uh, featuring superheroes, it might be quite interesting to see how a Doctor Who superhero audio would work, especially for the Twelfth Doctor's one-off companion. Yes, there was that, that character, uh, Ghost, the Ghost, wasn't there? I don't think people really remember it, do they? I don't. I remember at the time the BBC said we'd be happy for you to do anything based on this character, and we just. Um, didn't think there'd be an audience for it really but maybe i'm wrong maybe it's right in let us know if, yeah, if that's yeah, something you you would like to hear. and the other problem is of course we don't have peter capaldi at the moment and finally since big finish has integrated various characters from the novels and comic universes into the big finish canon you knew i had to make that noise i always do are there any plans to have more characters from those mediums appear in big finish i personally would love to hear destry or sam jones who was mentioned in two audios make their debuts anyway thank you for your time and hope you will have a good weekend kind regards adam oh i don't think this email is from jonathan kirk i think it's from someone called adam and there's been a typographical error um you fool, you old fool. I, do, I don't know how that's happened. So um, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, look, here we are. Adam Ross. I'm sorry. <laughs> a com incompetence abounds here. It's all my fault. Adam, <laughs> sorry sorry for calling you Jonathan Kirk earlier. Um, <laughs> I don't know about Destry or Sam Jones. I don't even know who Destry is. Do you? Destry. Doctor Who. I Destry. know who Sam Jones is. Yeah. Uh, is an enemy turned companion of the Eighth Doctor. She was an oblivioner of the ruling class. As with all her species, her appearance her appearance was unique. There we go. It's a comic book character. Hmm. Well, excuse my ignorance. I mean, I mean well, that sincerely. Actually, do please <laughs> excuse my ignorance. Do excuse it. Well, we got one last email here from Phil Johnson. Uh, Let's hope subject. it really is from Phil Johnson and I just haven't you know, made it's from it from Brian Cooper, actually. Um, <laughs> no, it is from Phil Johnson. Uh, although it does say it's... Yeah. If there is a Brian Cooper listening, could you write in, please? Brian Cooper, yeah. Old magician from back in the day, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> tried, to, tried to cash in on the Cooper name, but it didn't quite work out. No, you know. that's, hmm. Brian Cooper, uncle twice removed of Tommy Cooper, in brackets, not that one. Um, <laughs> hello there. Well, actually, I'll read the the, uh, the subject. Mm. Uh, a world without Big Finish is like a broken pencil. Pointless. Hey. Oh. Nice. Hello there, gentlemen. Hello. Hi there. Hi there. 
Uh, I've recently rewatched one of my personal favorite classic Who stories, State of Decay. Ugh. Great. I like the State of Decay, no, I don't as like you know. It. Uh, don't <laughs> ask me why. Uh, I've always loved it. Ever since I was given the Pickwick audiobook oh. read by Tom Baker back in early 80s, it's just ingrained into me. I have got that. I have got the cassette of it somewhere. Well, you better listen to it. Get your Pickwick hat on, Mr. Pickwick. Um, during a story, uh, the Doctor recounts to Romana an old Gallifreyan ghost story. A race of giant vampires who came out of nowhere and swarmed all over the universe. They were so strong that one single vampire could suck the life out of an entire planet. The Time Lords hunted, the, hunted them down across the universe in a war so long and so bloody that they became sickened of violence forever. They were all destroyed, all but one that vanished into thin air. What a lovely Which, story. Nice story, nice happy ending, that one. And you can get <laughs> that in the CBeebies range of books. Uh, it struck me that this would make for an epic box set or series akin to that of Gallifrey, the War Doctor, or any of the wonderful Eighth Doctor sets that have been presented to us over the years. They would not necessarily have to feature the Doctor, but imagine a whole new landscape set on ancient Gallifrey. New characters, worlds and adventures with a dark, hammer-esque feel to them. It would be quite something. Could this era ever make an appearance within Big Finish? The campaign to bring on the bow ships begins here. Well, it's not, it's not something that we're looking into at the moment, I would say. Good answer. Alternatively, how about a story uh, about what happened aboard the Hydrax? If not, please can you get Mark Gatiss back to do his take on Dracula AD 1972? Yeah. Also, I'd like to congratulate you all on the wonderful series The Robots, mm. which is approaching its end in this April. Mm. I have absolutely loved these sets, which tell us the story of Liv's year back on Kaldor during the events of Ravenous 2. Without a doubt, this has been my favourite spin-off since the wondrous days of Messrs. Jago and Lightfoot. It is beautiful, yes. The story arcs have been engrossing, brilliantly written and beautifully produced. I'm looking forward to seeing, hearing how it will all be resolved prior to Liv's return to the TARDIS. Mm. The world of Kaldor is so huge, with potential for so many stories to be told. Do you think there's a possibility for further adventures to be set in this landscape? I, for one, would love to hear more. It's a world deserving to be returned to. Finally, Nick, where'd you get your trousers prepped? No, it's not, it doesn't say that. It says, <laughs> Finally, Nick, uh, would it be possible for you to tell us a little bit more about what we can expect from The Human Frontier 2? Uh, mm. I love the first set, a total triumph. Many thanks, PJ. P.S. Please bring the Pescatons back. <laughs> Pescatons, we have been waiting for you, Doctor. <laughs> we have been waiting for anyway um human frontier 2 no it's it's all under wraps sorry i'm sorry it's taken so long may end up taking it even longer anyway that's uh that's it for this week's emails uh we look forward very much to reading more next week pescatons so 
as you regular listening lovelies will know, the randomoids electron is getting into gear as we speak. <laughs> Preparing to offer you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. An amazing saving. Yes, it oh. is. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. Uh, we'll be teasing you with the first 15 minutes of Friendly Fire featuring the fifth Doctor, Tegan and Nyssa. 80s style. Also in that fifth Doctor Adventures release is The Edge of War by Jonathan Barnes. Let's have a listen to the making of that right now. I'm Peter Davison and I play the Doctor. I'm Janet Fielding and I play Tegan Javanka. I'm Sarah Sutton and I play Nyssa. I don't tend to remain in any one place for very long. Kind of a drifter, are we, Nyssa of Traken? I'm not entirely certain what that means, but it doesn't sound like a compliment. Yeah, Nyssa this, this has only been, arrives a few days, or even hours, before this all kicks off. And uh, I think it's funny how the, the villagers in, in this story give us all jobs. Yes. <laughs> they assume that the Doctor is a detective from Paris, that I'm an yeah. artist, a travelling artist. You're a um, pub landlady. <laughs> um, yes, it's... <laughs> Yes. yes, it's ingenious, really. Yes. It's quite funny, really. I like it. I like it a lot, this story. It is a good story, actually. It is a very good story. I wonder if I'd, I would have had blonde hair for the year that I was running the pub. Oh, yeah, I always absolutely. see pub landladies as really being blondes, usually. Yep. Oh, do you? I thought, I thought that your, your, your look rather suited the sort of that French... Oh, did you? Oh. You know. it, it's the yeah. sophistication of Tegan, isn't it? <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Yes. My name is Alistair Petrie, and I'm playing The Count. You're torturing these people. You're destroying this village. I never meant to. I wanted to keep them safe. But you can't. You can't do that. You can't keep everyone safe all the time. Well, the Count is um, a sort of a seemingly uh, a French aristocrat. I say seemingly because um, his sort of status as the Count, in inverted commas, seems to be questioned by quite a few people. But he's seemingly, at least, um, a rather benign, apparently benign French aristocrat um, existing in a place where time may or may not be a, a tangible enemy or certain feature, really. Certainly a place where time, certainly to the Count at least, means absolutely everything. It's, uh, yes, it's sort of a, he, I think he's existing in a bucolic environment and I think he's trying to protect people I think he he is um, acutely aware of the responsibilities that he feels about um, you know the people over which he sort of has charge really he obviously saw something in French provincial life at that time that was worth preserving I'm Ken Bentley and I am the director the Count's an interesting role in that the, it would appear to be the, the sort of villain of the story, but it isn't actually written in that way. The story isn't written that way. The character isn't written in that way. And the wonderful the wonderful thing about the way Alistair's played the role is that it, 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 he's, he's brought that sort of, um, it's not even ambiguity, really. He's not even, it's not even sort of in, in doubt that his intentions aren't anything but good. He's, there's a, there's a, a, a lovely warmth about the way uh, Alistair plays the Count and, and that in itself helps to, to make the, the story feel unsettling Vocally, I think it was um, obviously one leans into the, the nature of the fact that he's a sort of um, the sort of the aristocratic nature and I think the benign nature I sort of wanted to lean into that um, he's a man who wants to make sure that the world is a happy safe place not only for himself but for everyone and I think outwardly sort of trying to portray that to everyone and anyone he comes across is, is sort of important and so there's um 
yes, there's a sort of a gentleness, I think, to him until obviously things start to inevitably ramp up in the story. I'm Matt Addis, and I'm playing Jean-Baptiste. They were changed. Changed into what? Back into what they used to be. That doesn't sound so bad. Would you like it, Doctor? Would you like to go back to what you used to be? Well, uh, no. Perhaps not. Not when you put it like that. I lived in uh, Montfort-Lamery outside Paris uh, years ago. And so the idea that at 7 o'clock in the morning as you're heading to work, there is a man in the bar drinking his breakfast. Jean-Baptiste feels a bit like one of those. And so normally very much in charge, very much knows exactly what's going on, happy to tell everyone exactly how the world is. There's a certain sort of... uh, I think we all know those characters. But then suddenly when the world isn't what it should be and he isn't where he thinks he is and he can't quite remember what's going on, combined with that confusion makes him a really nice character to act as a guide in this, I think. Actually, he hasn't got a clue what's going on, but is still rather insistent that he should be in charge and directing things, which is great fun to play. We haven't worked with Matt for years and years. I think David told me it was 10 years or something ridiculous, which is insane to think about it. But then we've managed to get him back for a a couple of different recordings recently, which has been wonderful because he's a lovely, lovely actor. And I'm amazed we haven't worked with him for so long. But um, we needed somebody who can play a a sort of charming, endearing character, which Jean-Baptiste is. So Matt was my first choice for that one when I when I read the script and thankfully he was um, available this week which was great. Hello my name is Philippe Beaucher and I play Armand Barbier. Armand Barbier is uh, probably the person I wish I was. <laughs> um, he's brave, he's suave, he's charming, he's he's got an effortless je ne sais quoi <laughs> about him. And in terms of the vocal choice, I based his voice on actually people I grew up with. I grew up just outside of London in an area called Staines, which big Finnish listeners might know as being uh, where Ali G is from and is set. The accent from where I'm from tends to drop a lot of its H's, as does French. So I thought, well, that's a nice way of sort of keeping one moat of the French accent with uh, the rest of it obviously being completely different but yeah it's it's such a fun part I I feel very lucky actually to to have been cast as him. We're contacted all the time by people who would like to work with Big Finish and we do genuinely check everybody out everybody who all the emails get circulated to everybody and um, we all go through the emails and we click on the links and we listen to their clips and we we do genuinely try to um, give as many people opportunities as we possibly can and Philippe was one of those who kept very politely um, dropping us a line every now and then and saying hi I'm out here would love to work with you had during the pandemic and lockdowns had had got himself all the equipment he needs at home to be able to record from home and and, um, figured out how to use it all properly and had clearly been very busy recording from home as well over the last 12 or 18 months. So he'd been on my list for some time, but this was a case of the right role coming along. And um, and when I get people in for the first time at Big Finish, it's, it's got to be with the right sort of role. What we do is quite bonkers and I don't want to challenge somebody with, with sort of too much insane doubling up or playing a really 
really mad kind of creature or monster. It's much nicer to get people in with something fairly straightforward, um, much as I did with Poppy casting her as La Chapelle. These three characters, La Chapelle, Jean-Baptiste, Armand, they're, they're fair in the world of Doctor Who and what we do on audio, three fairly straightforward characters to play. So they're good good roles for new people to come in and play. So that's that's one of the reasons I knew it would be a, a, a good one for Poppy and for the same reasons um, Armand was a, a good role for Philippe. Nice straightforward role to come in. They didn't have to panic about doing anything really strange and surreal. They could just enjoy playing a nice straightforward role and get a feel for what it's like to come in and, and try to record a really bonkers piece of sci-fi in a day. And remember, just go to bigfinish.com and type conflicts of interest into the search pane at the top to find this beautifully written Fifth Doctor adventure. Any minute now, we'll be drama-teasing you with the first 15 minutes of Friendly Fire, the first story in that Fifth Doctor box set. But in the meantime, it's... The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a Big Finish release and offer you a 20... I knew it was going to go wrong. I knew it was going to... 25% discount on it. Right, come on. What have we got? Doctor Who, The Pursuit of History. Oh, that's by me. There he goes, by you, starring Tom Bacon, Lola Ward and David Warner, with Toby Haydoke, David Troughton and John Leeson as K9. Um, what a whopping cast. Yeah, what a pleasure to do. That also, uh, that's the, the sort of second part of a story that um, uh, begins... Oh, no, 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 actually, no, that's fine. What's the casualties of time? Oh, I see. It's the first part, isn't it? Yeah. I can't remember. How many years ago was this? It was 2016. Not that long ago. Oh, the late, great David Warner um, playing Cuthbert. Uh, I really like the cover of this because there's an alien that the artist has created from the <laughs> snout of a dog, I think. There's a little cute little face as well. Yeah, I'm sure that's a dog snout that, that a set of eyes have been added to. It's really quite... Um, really quite... This Anthony Lamb's done a fantastic job there. Um, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, the fourth Doctor adventures, the pursuit of history. Ah, you hear that? That, my friends, is a special train engaged by some preposterously wealthy men who have taken it upon themselves to bring something rather special down for London. Something rather special that's worth a lot of money. Tell us what? The time is approaching! The time for what? Something's heading straight for the TARDIS. Force field generators are overloading, quick! Romana! What? Did you hear that? You did? Well, of course I heard it, otherwise I wouldn't be asking if you'd heard it. It's a lawn. Must help us, Romana. What? Ah! The mistress is dematerializing with the lawn. You helped us long ago, Romana. I hoped you could help us again, but I did not realize you would die in the vortex. I would not have you die for us. I may have to kill you. Everyone, out of the train! Hands up! I think I've stumbled on a not so great train robbery. That's it, get a move on. Wait a minute. Right, lads, let's get our cargo unloaded. Well, whatever it is, it's certainly heavy. Big Finish. We love stories. That voice. I recognise that voice. 
There you go. Lots of lovely fond memories, particularly David Troughton playing the Black Guardian. It was lovely to see David. Lovely chap. Um, okay. Um, well, uh, I, I better email Jackie Emery, the content manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection here uh, so that she can set the offer live on the Big Finish website. Uh, Benji, would you like to remind people how to get this incredible 25% discount? I know we've never done this before. It's a new thing. Okay, uh, yeah. In the right. style of the fifth doctor. Can you do that? Certainly can, yes. Uh, okay, off you go. I'll I mean, it's just getting email. breathy, isn't it, really? So, oh, yes, well, uh, I suppose I'd better do it like this. Go to bigfinish.com. And when you're there, just head over to the podcast, Braveheart. Uh, once you're over to the podcast page, uh, click read more. Uh, read more, yes, that's right. Uh, and when you're on Reaver, just click here and enter the code Buck Up. Now, Tolo, don't touch that button. Uh, that's B U C K U P. That's, yes, Adric. That's, type it into that computer, but uh, don't touch the keys because um, it'll explode. Uh, just enter the code Buck Up and you will get your discount. That there was a terrible Fifth Doctor impression. Very good, yeah. You, um, my favourite uh, Fifth Doctor line to do is, is one from uh, Warriors of the Deep where he goes, we're out of control! <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> That's a lovely bit of uh, interesting intonation from uh, Mr Peter Davison there. Mm. I, call, I love the one where it said, we must not mourn him. Um, oh, what's the word he says? Unnecessarily, is it, or something? We must not mourn him unnecessarily. Like, he just dies. <laughs> Yes, well, well, we've got an adventure to go on now. Oh, is that what he says about Adric? Yeah, um, hold on, let me find the exact line. That'll be interesting to find out. It was, I, I really believe it was in the following story. Yeah, yeah, um, it sounds like it. Uh, which was uh, Time Flight, wasn't it? We must not mourn him unnecessarily. Because I remember, you know, I wasn't a, a fan of Adric back in my early years. And now, of course, I think he's fantastic. And Matthew Waterhouse is a brilliant actor and a lovely man. But uh, I, uh, uh, you know, how we fans can be. Um, and I remember being absolutely uh, traumatised by the fact that Matthew Waterhouse's name was in the credits for the following story. I thought, oh, I thought he was dead. Uh, and then it... It turned out it was just an image of Adric, wasn't it? Sort of sent to stop the Doctor. What's the just line? a mystery. Well, you'll, you'll be pleased to know as well, though, that it was Time Flight. You're quite correct. Yeah, yeah, of course. This is scene two of Time Flight. Yeah. So this is how quickly they wanted us to move on here. <laughs> Tegan says, we used to fight a lot. I'll miss him. This says, so will I. The Doctor says, and me. But he wouldn't want us to mourn unnecessarily. And then it just... Like that, right. Now, where are we going? Special treat to cheer us up. And it just car then, then it's just... You know, that guy's nobody gone. mentions him again. They're, Brilliant. They're like, fancy that, like, the, the big end that it literally, like, takes... The only thing between that last sad scene in, in uh, Earthshock is one scene in between that and this one of them just saying, right, let's do something else now. Wow, wow, the... The emotional uh, maturity of the series was at, a, at <laughs> an all-time high, high tide. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, thanks, Ran. That was a lovely choice. G gave me a little bit of uh, a trip down memory lane there for me uh, when we lovely. were, you know, back in the studio with Tom Baker and oh, happy days, happy days. Uh, next week's podcast will be, will be uh, communicated via Morse code. Uh, and packed with all the usual exciting features but it's all top secret for now <laughs> <laughs> thanks again to you all for listening 
The Big Finish podcast is presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. And both Benji and I did this for the love of stories. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, Doctor Who, Friendly Fire, by John Dorney. So, we're agreed? Yes. I said we're agreed, Brennan. Uh, I know. Well, then why didn't you say anything? Because, uh, well, that's the point, isn't it? We don't say anything. Don't play smart with me. I wouldn't. I don't like it when people play smart. I wouldn't. I couldn't. I'm dumb as they come, me. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? But it doesn't answer the question, does it? Are you in? Are you in? Well, answer her. Yes. Yes, I'm in. Obviously I'm in. I mean, I'm here, aren't I? In a manner of speaking. Well, I'm glad to hear it anyway. You won't regret it. Won't he? Everyone here I trust. But the others, out there. What? The doc? People like her? Yeah. They haven't got a stake. We do. Oh, I don't think we've anything to worry about there. They're all reasonable people. They can be persuaded. Persuaded? Yes. We play this right. No one need ever know. But if someone finds out... They won't. But if they do... If they do... Then we'll deal with them. Won't we? All I'm saying is, I don't see why it's so difficult. It must be on those dials somewhere. The food machine can't have an infinite number of options. Can't it? Always seems to. Besides, I'm not asking for an infinite number. I'm just asking for one. One simple lamington. Is that too much to ask? It didn't sound terribly simple to me. Chocolate, sponge cake and desiccated coconut. A child of five could have pulled it off. It should be well within the grasp of Gallifreyan technology. It was Anzac cookies last week. Now this. Can't be a coincidence. I'm beginning to wonder if the Doctor's got something against Australians. I wonder why that might be. Hold on. We're here. How are we here already? Pleasure of my conversation passes the time. Oh, heck. Speaking of Gallifreyan technology... The cloister bell. Far and away my least favourite sound. We should find the doctor. You think? Come on. (laughs) Doctor! Mr. Tegan, there you are. Rather earlier than expected. I suppose that does make sense. Yeah, 
Is it my imagination? Or did we get here awfully quickly? It's not your imagination. It's the same thing as happened when we were going to my room. We're in trouble. We gathered that. Something's wrong with the TARDIS. Something's always wrong with the TARDIS. Yes, but usually it's the right kind of wrong. Meaning this is the wrong kind of wrong? Don't two wrongs make a right? Uh, no, you're thinking of three lefts. I'm really not. The dimensional controls are resetting. The what of what? They're the systems that control the internal space of the TARDIS. Right. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. They're shrinking the ship's internal dimensions down to a singularity. That does. That's why we're getting along the corridors more quickly. Because the distances are compressing. Precisely. But that's impossible, surely. There must be safeguards to prevent it from happening. Oh, there are. Yes, most certainly there are safeguards. Absolutely. Doctor, what did you do? What? Why do you assume I did anything? Because you always do. I mean, it's hardly likely to be me, is it? She does have a point, Doctor. I, I, I may have agreed to an, an automatic update. A what? Sometimes the TARDIS reconfigures itself using the connection to the Eye of Harmony back on Gallifrey. It's usually pretty harmless. So what happened? Well, he did say I should wait until she'd landed and she was connected to a power source. Terrific. But honestly, who pays attention to the instructions? People who aren't about to be crushed to death. Surely there's some way of getting us out of here. That's what I'm working on as we speak. An emergency landing so we can hop out in the nick of time. And when exactly is this emergency landing going to happen? I told you, in the nick of time. Hopefully. <laughs> She goes. Oh no. Like I said, just in time. Might even have had a few seconds to spare. A few seconds aren't enough. Did you have to cut it so fine? I did, as it happens, Tegan. I couldn't just materialize as completely at random. It had to be somewhere capable of sustaining life. And more than that, somewhere friendly. It would hardly do to escape compression by leaping onto the streets of Scaro. This place certainly looks friendly. Some kind of space station, is it? Where exactly are we? I'm not really sure. I programmed her with a set of parameters. I didn't have time for detailed coordinates. Because it was an emergency landing? Precisely. Maybe you should consider putting together a list. Safe spaces. I mean, you use emergency landings so often, they might as well be called landings. I'll take it on advisement. So, what happens now? Is it permanent? Are we stuck here? I'm always amazed by how many questions you can squeeze into a single breath. Well, maybe consider answering one? No, it's not permanent. And no, we are not stuck here. What happens now is we wait. Like I said, it's a reset. She needs time to reset. That makes two of us. And it looks like we found the perfect place. Hey? We have? According to this map, we're on the Aranis Space Hub. Aranis? space hub? What's that when it's at home? Well, it sort of is a home, in a way. It's like an airport, just for spaceships in space. So I'm having a busman's holiday. Doesn't sound very homely to me. Actually, they are. They're used as a connecting port for transportation routes. People between ships often have long waits. 
Like we're about to. I mean, not exactly. The reset probably won't take more than about 24 hours. Which is a long wait where I come from, Methuselah. Nissa, carry on. Meaning they've got luxury hotels, entertainment complexes, fitness facilities, all manner of exciting places to pass the time. Ah, now we're talking. I'm in the mood for a spa day. There is an alternative. Oh? You said a run is Nissa, yes? Yes. Well, if I recall correctly, that isn't too far from the planet Komoko. Certainly no more than a short shuttle ride. Right. And that's what? A glorious natural paradise? A feast of architectural splendor? Oh, no, 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 no. It's a hideous place. Barren Dust Bowl. Barely anything there. Just used as a mining colony for duralinium. Yes. I mean, I'm torn. It sounds lovely, but weighing it all up, I think I'm leaning towards the movies and restaurants. Ah, but if I've got the year right, and I think I do, it does have one thing this place doesn't. Which is? A friend. He's called Velar. Now, according to that sign, shuttle hire should be over here. But the entertainment complexes are over there. There's nothing that way that you don't already have. All those things can be done in the TARDIS. Not right now, they can't. A home-cooked meal, a warm greeting, intelligent conversation. We certainly don't get that last one, I'll give you that. <sighs> Who is this Velar? I don't think you've mentioned him before. Well, it has been a while. He's a Batarian diplomat. An alien? Not from where he's standing. Batarians? Yes, I think I recall meeting some. When you were on your break from us, Tegan. I wouldn't call it a break, exactly. They vaguely resemble Earth armadillos, big with a scaly carapace. Okay, that's different, I suppose. I thought they went to war with Earth, though. They did? Sure you want me to meet this guy? Yes, that was all a long time ago. Water under the bridge. They're very much on humanity's side these days, Velar in particular. Mind you, he wouldn't have had any truck with it, even if he had been around. Easy going, chap. Rather into his baking, though he wasn't terribly good at it. So how do you know him? The usual way. He helped me out with an invasion just before you two joined me. And a mad computer a couple of regenerations back was it forward. Well, if you don't know... I suppose that is the usual way people meet you, yes. I popped in to catch up with him every now and then over the years, but I'd rather let that slide. What's a diplomat doing on a mining world? Mining. Isn't that obvious? Not exactly. It does sound like something of a career change. He retired. To do more work. He knows how to party. He thought it would offer a change of pace after the hard graft of intergalactic diplomacy. Yeah, because mining's famously quite a light thing to do. I've been meaning to stop by to say hello for quite some time now. This would seem to be the perfect opportunity. For you, maybe. For us, this is the perfect opportunity to have a bit of fun. It will be fun, trust me. Oh, great, he said the words. This place isn't going anywhere, Tegan. We can always stay a bit longer after the TARDIS has repaired herself. Exactly. Dinner with a friend seems refreshingly normal. Real food from a real kitchen? You never know. If he's into baking, he might even be able to make lamingtons. All right. But as long as we're coming back... No, 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 oh, you're kidding me. Um, still, but who, why? Uh, 
What? Who is this? I'm busy. Reno, it's Brennan. Then like I say, Brennan, I'm busy. We've got incoming. That's too soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, there's something wrong with the system. No, I've checked the system. It's working fine. We're not due a collection for months. I know. That's why I called. Well, then who is it? I don't know. And landing thrusters ready. Nearly there. Told you it wasn't far. And you were certainly right about it being barren as well. Not exactly overpopulated, is it? That settlement can't hold more than about 30 people. And that's not even where he lives. He's got a place of his own a bit further out, as far as I recall. Why? Why doesn't he live on the main drag? Oh, he... Yeah. Well, actually, I'm not sure. Didn't think to ask. Well, you'll have a lot of time to find out. I suppose I will. Now, that looks like the landing port there. I'm getting a visual. Looks like some kind of shuttle. Too small for the company, then. Maybe it's one of the suits. When did we last see a suit? You don't reckon it's to do with... I mean, you don't reckon someone talked? No one talked. Nobody's that stupid. Well, and who is it? Someone lost, maybe? Needing food? Oh, they'd have gone to Aranis. They're coming here because they know. They don't know. And if you keep your Safe and sound. How come you're better at landing this thing than the TARDIS? You know what they say, Tegan, lack of practice makes perfect. If this is the landing port, shouldn't there be some sort of customs? I suppose it is a little more deserted than I was anticipating. Maybe the staff don't imagine anyone would be stupid enough to come here. Yes, that sort of attitude's really going to get the locals on side, isn't it? I'm not worried about getting them on side. I'm not intending to come back. Doctor, we should have just gone straight to your mate. At least we might have got a decent welcome there. And risk a crash. You can't just land these things anywhere. I suppose. Did you file a flight plan? Didn't need to. There wasn't enough traffic scheduled. My point exactly. No one wants to come here. So, we caught them unawares. Apparently so. But I'm sure someone would have noticed our approach. They're bound to be sending people over as we speak. Shall we head them off at the pass? I don't see why not. They look human. Then we shouldn't have any trouble with them, should we? Find out what they want. Just keep it calm and don't panic. I know that's a big ask, but do your best. I'll try. I'll let you know how it goes. Right then. It's not any busier out here. No. Big finish for the love of stories.